0: Dropbear Gaming. Dropbear Gaming.
1: Dropbear Gaming. Dropbear Gaming. Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 15 of the Dropbear Gaming Podcast. We're all fired up and ready to go. This is uh, kind of take two due to a little bit of sickness and uh, some uh, activity on on uh, Susie's behalf of looking for a new place to live because she's moving from sunny Bris Vegas down to uh, the amazing land of Melbourne. So congratulations to her. Anyway, I'm sure we'll hear a little bit more about that soon. But anyway, I am your host, Lucas BQ410, and tonight we're joined, as per usual, by Susie Kate and by my brother Matt. So, Susie, say good day.
2: Good day. It's been a while. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Glad to have you back, though.
2: Yay! <laughs>
1: <laughs> so big move, hey?
2: It, yeah, it's it's a bit daunting, and. Um had no internet or Xbox or anything for about a week. Um and uh, That's not cool. No. So totally new city and new people and no internet. <laughs> <laughs> no
1: internet to get normal again. Yeah.
0: So
2: but it's been pretty cool and um uh certainly a lot of other people in the uh gaming community I've caught up with since I've gotten down here and yeah it's been
0: fantastic.
1: Good stuff, it's what it's all about, mm. bringing everyone together. Absolutely. And Matt's here also, how are you Matt?
0: I'm alright, a bit been uh, sick, you know, but whatever. Nearly platinumed LA Noir. so that's good. Good stuff. Yep, mm. getting there.
1: Well, we will definitely be hearing a bit more about that one.
0: For sure mate.
1: As promised in last week's podcast, we're going to have a bit of an in-depth discussion about LA Noire. We're also going to uh, have a bit of a a conversation from Susie about uh, the new LEGO game based on the Pirates of the Caribbean series, and we've also got a little bit of news to get into as well. And now, for the DBG News. Okay, so in news this week, we've uh, got a few things happening. We've had uh, some news coming out of the Xbox and Microsoft camps about uh, the updates that are being rolled out for the system at the moment. Now, I actually originally thought that this was going to be a bit of a, an update to their um to the dashboard, but instead, they are just adding a few Know, extras so in order to be able to incorporate their new disk format which adds roughly about a gigabyte of space to disks they needed to upgrade the firmware so having that rolled out and the upgrades to the uh, to the disks put in place it has caused a few issues and reports are coming back it's only a fraction of the amount of people that are actually being rolled out but they are having some issues and those are incorporated within uh, the disk drive themselves, so as soon as the firmware update is put out, some of the older uh, original Xbox 360s are having problems and are stopping reading the disks. So the other things that I guess are being rolled out with that are the ability to um, put it into like a a turn-off mode type thing, like an auto-standby mode after one hour of being idle, and they've also added the functionality to use PayPal accounts. Um, There are a lot of areas that aren't available with the PayPal thing, but, yeah, it it pretty much just allows people to buy Microsoft Points and, you know, Xbox Live subscriptions and Games on Demand and all those types of things, so you can incorporate your PayPal account. So I think they're pretty good. I think, you know, the, the whole firmware update is... To combat a lot of uh, piracy and things like that, until obviously those disks become more readily available. And a normal disk currently, a normal dual layer disk is around about 8 gigabytes, 8.5 gigabytes you can fit on it. But they've incorporated an extra gig, and I'm not 100% sure if that's an extra gig per layer or if it's just an extra gig overall. I think it's per layer. So it gives them the ability to add another, you know, overall a quarter of the space on top of that to the discs, So, hopefully it pushes what they can actually bring out. And things like L.A. Noire, which is on three discs, maybe can be brought back to two. Do you guys think that'll be helpful?
0: It'll be helpful, but uh, whatever.
2: Yeah, um, <laughs> yeah, I, um, I agree, whatever.
1: <laughs> Doesn't really matter. Nah.
0: Basically, games that are multi-platform across PS3 and Xbox... They've already carved them down enough to fit on the Xbox discs anyway, so an extra gig here and there probably won't make that much of, yeah. of a difference, at least in graphics, unless you're using it to add content.
1: Yeah. Well, there's only a couple of games really that have been, you know, multi-disc anyway. I mean, you had there was the Final Fantasy. Thirteen. That came out on three discs.
0: Mass Effect 2 is two discs, isn't it?
1: Yeah, Mass Effect 2, yeah, it was two discs.
0: Castlevania, Lord of Shadow.
1: Yep. Forza. You know, Forza only really had a couple of upgrades on the second disc, which had all the the cars and all that kind of shit on it. Mm. But most of the actual, you know, tracks and gameplay stuff was on the first disc. So, you know, there hasn't been a lot of games that have been two discs. There was um, ODST, I think had all their maps and everything on the second disc for multiplayer but you could actually play the full length of the game with the first player uh, the first disc sorry so yeah, you know, there's only it's only affected a couple of games so
0: I don't think who knows the you know. extra gig will make a difference like for a game like LA Noir where they had to put a lot of effort in just to fit it on three discs it'd be nice to be able to have that extra room to move but they wouldn't be able to use it to get down to two discs I don't think
1: no, well, that's true and I wonder with a game like la Noir, what they had to incorporate to break it into three discs, like what kind of links between discs did they have to to make to be able to do that? It's mm-hmm. probably not a big deal, but I'm not geeky enough to understand how it works.
0: Hit them up if we so, have yeah. an interview or any other dev that yeah, does there's that. an idea
1: yeah, could be done if you if any of the listeners know anything about it, leave us a comment, let us know
0: or email us at podcast at dropbackgaming.com
1: could even do that or if you get uh you know really excited about it then uh you can actually call the hotline
0: yeah sweet
1: so the other news that's been coming out at the moment is uh you know big news e3 is just around the corner e3 is being held obviously in america and it's the the biggest thing for gaming all year round so A lot of information's coming out now. There's a lot of speculation about what's being shown, what isn't being shown. All of the big developers and and all the big console developers are having pre E3 press conferences, and there's a lot of information that people are discussing will be on show. But one of the big question marks at the moment is what is Microsoft going to be doing? And I honestly can't see too much. They don't unless they've had the most amazing clamp down on security and nothing's being leaked. I cannot really see too much coming out of Microsoft at this point, unless, you know, I, I honestly believe it's too early to be talking about a new console type. You know, they only really launched uh, you Connect. know, Connect six months ago, or you know, yeah, a bit more in America, but it hasn't been all that long, and I, I just don't know what's going to happen. I really can't see what's going to happen. I know last year at E3 they gave everybody mm. a, uh, a new Xbox when the Slims were coming out. They don't have those either this year to, to, to give out. There's nothing new. So it's kind of exciting. But obviously Sony's going to be talking a lot more about the NGP.
0: That'll be wicked. Yeah. That's I'm hoping to hear a lot about that, mm.
1: yeah. a lot more about the NGP. Well, there's a lot of hype about it. I hope they so, announce a price. Yeah.
0: I think they will. That would be good. I think they will.
1: Well, let's hope so, because people are going to want to start saving for it. It's going to at least be 400 plus oh, in Australia. Yeah,
0: at least. I reckon if they want to compete with the 3DS, it'll be between 350 to 400 for a Wi-Fi version, and then the 3G yeah. one will be obviously more expensive. But they don't want to go yeah. too much above the 3DS. Not that the 3DS is fucking dominating it at, at the moment. It's kind of choking.
1: Ain't that the truth? They haven't done too much.
0: I think Microsoft are going to focus on Kinect stuff and try to talk it up more and like maybe try to improve consumer confidence that there's going to be decent games coming out on it because it's been a bit of a fucking wasteland.
1: I think there's been a couple of good games that came out initially at launch and there's been a few games drip-fed since then but nothing really to make a splash. Mm. And I do know that they are talking about the uh Star Wars game, but I've seen nothing on it. Yeah. I don't really know too much about it. Um Susie, you know you've uh you know had a lot to do with the Connect over the last 6 months. Yeah. What are your thoughts on it?
2: Uh you, you know, I, I that was one of the things I found really hard when it came to Connect was the lack of news because there really wasn't any. Um <laughs> Which is a real shame, and I think the titles at launch were fantastic, but they should have been staggered.
1: Yeah, yeah, totally.
2: Yeah. So, I personally, I can't wait for Dance Central 2, whenever that's going to come out. Because, in my opinion, I think Dance Central probably is the best Kinect game there is. Yeah. So, when the second one comes out, I'll be pretty excited for it.
1: Yeah, I agree. That's the only game so far that's really held my attention for more than a very very short amount of time
0: that's just because
1: you're a massive lady Gaga fan. <laughs> <laughs> yeah pretty much yeah well i suppose that one and your fitness were the only two that actually really did anything but your fitness i i really enjoyed the concept of it and i don't consider myself a and you know a real active person so i guess that was a good way of getting into it but yeah, I I kind of got over that and just enjoyed yeah. the fun of Dance Central because it was more a game. Yeah. But they need to be able to do something with what's been lacking and there's a massive amount of uh, room to grow in that. So hopefully they do. Mm.
0: They'll probably focus on Gears of War 3 yeah. and 4 or 4.
1: Yeah. Maybe yeah, maybe definitely. a
0: teaser or some kind of name drop for whatever um they're next doing in the halo line but they might be giving that a break and just save that for next year or something
1: well they were supposed to be but then i guess you know moving on from from microsoft you've also got nintendo who will be talking a lot more about their uh project cafe which is the the wii 2 basically um, yeah, that should be pretty i've yeah. man
0: i've been hearing some hype from people that i know that are like not really hardcore gamers but they're like Nintendo kids from the old days and also Wii owners and they're all like, this thing looks awesome. I One guy I know said, all the Sony and Xbox fanboys better get their tissues ready because they're going to be crying themselves to sleep when the new Nintendo <laughs> comes out.
1: <laughs> Did you punch that dude in the he's mouth? He's like,
0: he's like, I can't wait to play upscaled... <laughs> I can't wait to play upscaled HD fucking Wii games. <laughs>
1: Oh, shit, yeah. <laughs> like, it's joke. definitely what's been lacking.
0: Yeah. But, yeah, that's, you know, rumoured to have screens in the controllers and all this kind of crazy shit, backwards compatibility with Wii, so I assume that you just, like, hook up your old Wii controllers. It's not going to be, like, the controllers for this one are going to be Wii controllers with a screen in them, because <laughs> that would be kind of
1: retarded. Well, there's heaps of, th- heaps of little stories going around. Like, somebody said the other day that they might be a, um, a Mini uh, DS that you can actually take with you when you leave the house and still play games on them. When you come back and you plug them in, then that information's transferred into the actual mm. console and then you can kind of continue, almost like a, a mobile cloud kind of based system, but you can take it with you and play yeah. mobile.
0: Well, that's what um, Hideo, I think it's Kojima, the guy who made Metal Gear Solid. Yep. He was saying when they announced the NGP that he, that was his vision of what the ngp would be like saving to the cloud playing it on the ngp like not all the ngp games being directly the same game as your ps3 but having somewhere you play it on the ps3 save it to the cloud which you can do with playstation plus and then get your ngp and play the same game using that you know and then like the same save but you can technically already do that with a psp with um the what do you call it um, remote play or whatever, where you can see your oh, PS3 yeah. screen yep. through your PSP, except that you can't play any of your games because you've only got one analogue stick. So, yeah, that's I'll, yeah. I would go for that in any console, not just the NGP or the new Nintendo, whatever. I'm keen for that.
1: So, anyway, keep an eye out for what's going on at E3, because if you're interested in games at all, then it's going to be absolutely monstrous.
0: We will have some stuff on the site as it's happening. Like, I'm definitely going to be... Putting up a post about the Sony um, keynote when they do that, and probably throw something up about the Nintendo as well, because yeah. you know, despite the fact that I hate the Wii, I'm pretty keen to see what they've got under their belts for this one.
1: Sure, sounds good. Well, we'll all be keeping an eye on that one. So yeah, definitely keep an eye out what's going on there. Other news that's just been coming out is the discussion about the next R18 chats that are going to be going on. So. <laughs> There's Yeah what's the date when they're actually meeting again? It's in July first or July second? First week of July Still, I thought it was. Yeah, something like something that. along those lines. So the uh the attorneys general meeting is going to be held then and the uh the home affairs minister Brendan O'Connor has released basically a draft of you know, guidelines that he believes should be the proposed changes for the Australian video game classification.
0: These are the ones that they were given at the last SCAG meeting, and so all the Attorney Generals have taken these notes home to have a bit of a read over them, so they can make a decision in July, hopefully.
1: Yeah, and pretty much the information that's on them, uh, I mean, it's a big document. You can jump on multiple websites and, and there'll be... You know something on ours and it's a PDF document which has got a lot of waffle through it but the information that is outlined on page five as to the actual classifications and then they're extended throughout the next kind of 10 pages but on page five they talk about what's going to be included so you've got m G, M, M15 plus which is currently what we've got so now they're incorporating two more they want to. There's R18+, plus and then RC.
0: Or well, RC's Refused Classification. Yep.
1: Yeah. So you've got the R18, which is high, and then you've got very high or extremely high okay. for refusal. So it'll be interesting to see what is incorporated into that. But what they've suggested is, uh, you know, if you read further into it, it goes into what the classification board would put under an R18+. plus. So it contains greater detail uh, including use of close ups and slow motions Um, there'd be accentuated techniques such as lighting perspective and resolutions, uh, use of special effects such as lightings and and colours and sizes and things like that Um, and it's prolonged I guess uh, slow mode or you know those types of things and is repeated frequently or is highly realistic and you know Rather stylized, so it'll be interesting to see. You know, there's so many games out there that would fit those currently, and I wonder if a lot of those may change as well. Be interesting to see what happens. Mm-hmm. What are your thoughts on that?
0: I don't know. Whatever, we'll see what happens. Seriously, we'll see what happens. It looks good to me. If Mortal Kombat's allowed in, yeah. then I approve. If it's still banned, I disapprove.
1: <laughs> it all comes down to Mortal Kombat.
0: Exactly. If they can't allow Mortal Kombat in, then it's not sufficient for what I believe the uh, adults of Australia deserve in a classification system.
1: Well, how much further can it go? Like, what kind of things are going to be refused classification past that?
0: Manhunt and Manhunt 2, where the graphics aren't as good as Mortal Kombat, but there's things like stabbing a guy in the neck with a syringe and killing people with plastic bags over the head and shit like that. That is too far. If you ask me,
1: sounds just like a good Friday night to me.
0: <laughs> but yeah, like, <laughs> Mortal Kombat, it's like fantasy fighting over the top kind of. It's like, you know, you can't rip someone's arms off. Yeah. That's in a that's fight, the whole thing. But you can kill someone with a plastic bag. So that's where you kind of, you know, that's
1: where I pick my lines for that. There is a difference. Mm hmm. That's fair enough. How about yourself, Susie? What do you think on it? Uh,
2: Look, to be honest, I've kind of steered clear of any, I guess, media attention on how things are going with it. I don't want to get my hopes up, and Mm -hmm. I'm just tired of the argument. You know, this should have all been sorted last year, and it wasn't, and it's just dragged on for way too long, and I've sort of said my two cents on the situation, and Yeah. yeah. Fair enough. I, I think it's a step forward, but until the fat lady sings, yeah. I'm not going to...
1: Not going to have too many comments. Nah. Fair enough. Not anymore. <laughs> well, it's
0: funny because the uh, the Catholic bishops of Australia have come out in support of the proposed guidelines.
1: And so mm-hmm. they should.
0: But the Australian Christian lobby, which is the, uh, I guess, extremist... Uh, Christians <laughs> if you want to call them that the ones who are like
1: they're going to burn your fucking house down well, and put a jihad on you
0: they <laughs> according to GameSpot <laughs> they reckon that the changes are frightening and uh, the guy what's his name um, oh, well, who gives a fuck what his name is really he's <laughs> he reckons that it's contrary to the claim that R18 Plus would just be relocating the MA15 games And not actually allowing new ones in, you know? Because he was saying, I'll go for an R18 rating as long as all the games that are banned now stay banned and the classifications stay the same, except MA15 plus games are now R. Oh, God. He's like, it opens up Australia to uh, the children being able to play games like this which is what I'm against.
2: Ah, uh, fuck off. I mean... Yeah, uh, This is why I don't like Yeah, it
0: no, but uh. that's... Like, honestly, that's the, <laughs> um, the Australian Christian Lobby guy. Pretty much everyone at, like, Kotaku and GameSpot and everyone that's following this kind of stuff pretty much um, sees six six them... Well, they see them as irrational and illogical about the situation. They're kind of, like, stubbornly standing their ground, and they're a very small minority... But, you know, the politics. politicians have to, you know, let them have their two cents.
2: It's ignorance. What else did you expect?
0: Yeah. But, you know, democracy, you have to let the ignorant speak as well as the fucking smart, mm, the smart ones.
2: The smart
1: yeah. yes. ones. And they should be educating the dumb ones. Yeah. yeah,
0: Edumacating.
1: So uh, that pretty much wraps up the majority of the big news this week. Uh, we do have a few very quick fire news mm-hmm. pieces to talk about um, Matt take it away
0: yeah um, Open Feint, which is like the isn't that the game center type thing with achievements it is and shit? very similar yeah, yeah it's an yeah. open source one it works across Android and iOS instead of just iOS which is game center it is being bought for 104 million that's a lot of fucking money
1: it is, and it's been bought by a company called Gree, which is a Japanese um, social media group, and pretty much they've just come out and said we want to make a gigantic, worldwide social media experience. So it'll great, be interesting.
0: So it'll be like Facebook—you go in and your page is flooded with people's crappy fucking games.
1: <laughs> yeah, probably. Yeah.
0: <laughs> um, Duke Nukem Forever has gone gold, which should be good. It's coming out, what, June
1: 10th? Yeah, it's not far. It's actually coming out here a bit earlier, which is good. It's coming out here, sorry, June 10th, which is a bit earlier than uh, the UK and the US. Yeah. Well, that's my mum's
0: birthday, so guess what you're getting, mum? (laughs) Yeah, that's right. Happy birthday. I'm not going to be seeing you that day. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry.
1: That's right. (laughs) (laughs) You'll be getting a card in the mail.
0: Mm -hmm. And um, Sony are releasing a 160 gigabyte PS3 bundled with Black Ops and the First Strike map pack for $300 in the US. Uh, I'm not sure nice. if this is coming out in Australia,
1: but that would be
0: cool. It'd probably be like 450
1: Which is bullshit. I mean, seriously, with the conversion rate, fuck me, look at that, it's 280 bucks. Yeah. You sons of bitches, well, as if they're going like, to give us a Sony It's for probably for like 295
0: bucks. plus importing, but whatever. Yeah, still not four hundred bucks. Anyway, whatever. (laughs) That's right. That's hopefully we get that, but I don't really give a fuck because I don't care about Black Ops.
1: That's right. So there you go. That concludes pretty much our news section. Um, I think this is probably a good point for us to take a little bit of a break, and we will uh, play an interview. And I was lucky enough this week to catch up with Eileen Batista, who's the. I guess the CEO, Managing Director of Dino Raw, and they've just recently brought out the game which we put posts on and we've talked about on the show, um, the Samurai Training game for the iOS. So have a bit of a listen to that, and we will be back soon. Hello, this is the Tin Man here. You're listening to Drop Bear Gaming, the perfect podcast to have a cup of tea with. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the break in the show this week. As mentioned before, I have a fantastic guest, somebody that we've actually wanted to have a chat to for quite a while, and uh, the leader of a development team that has just actually released a new title. So I'd like to uh, introduce everybody to uh, Eileen Batista. How are you?
3: I'm good, thanks. How are you, Lucas?
1: Very good. We're actually recording this as the... uh, the the meatheads run around and play rugby league. Yeah. <laughs>
2: I know, right?
1: Oh no, it's quite funny. Yeah, I'll probably cop a bit of stick for that, but uh that's alright. <laughs> Supposed to be a uh yeah, a beer drinking uh, Aussie bloke and I, I should be at the pub watching the state of that's origin with everyone name. else, yeah. Exactly. Shocking. Anyway, <laughs> it's not real footy. Oh, that's a, that's a oh. conversation for another day. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> well, we are very excited to have you along. It's uh, like I said, it is something we've wanted to, to do for quite a while. So, thank you, appreciate it.
3: No, oh, thank you for having me.
1: No worries. So, you are here to discuss the uh, Samurai Training, which is the new game that you've just recently brought out. Yes. Before I get into the actual game, though, I'd like to ask you about uh, about your history leading up to now. How did how did you decide to get into game development?
3: Um, I actually fell into fell into the industry. Games have been part of my life. I played it casually throughout the years, but I never really considered considered getting into it until I had my son and I I, I literally had nothing to do at home. And I'm the type of person that likes to work and so I thought to myself, you know, I think I think I'd like to try to create <laughs> create a game and and so it just kind of happened and then I really enjoyed it
0: Mm
1: -hmm.
3: yeah put my thinking hat on really enjoyed it got got my team together you know this fantastic team and um we're just going ahead with it now so that's that's the direction that I'm at at the
1: moment well that's fantastic I mean everyone's got to start somewhere and, exactly. Uh, yeah, that's right. Boredom's a good place to start in some cases. <laughs>
3: <laughs> hey, that's where a lot of geniuses come from. A lot of
1: genius things. <laughs> that's so. right. <laughs> Sounds good. Uh, with Dino Raw, yeah. Obviously, yeah. you've just touched on that. It, it is fairly new. Where did Where did the, the the history of that start? Like, where did you come up with the name, and you know those types of things?
3: Um, Dino Raw. I, I really wanted um, a name that was was kind of was kind of fun. It wasn't too serious and so I was I was playing around with a lot of ideas and i I finally settled on Diner because I thought it was it was quite cute and it was based on a logo that was created um, specifically for the company itself and so I thought that's that's a really cute. Name for it. Mm-hmm. I'll, I'll stick with that.
0: Yeah.
1: And
3: it, yeah. I just kind of went along with that.
1: Well, it works well. I know I do a, love the little logo. It is Kid cute. Dinosaur. Yeah. So your your first game, uh, Memory Loss, has been out for a little while now. Yes. Um How how did you go with uh, you know, getting that one together and you know, bringing, I guess, the the details that you you were able to put together. To make that game into making your new samurai training game.
3: Um, well, memory loss. I always considered it as the experimental game because it was such a a new step for me to get into this industry. I was considered. I've always considered the first game as you know the trial and error one. And surprisingly, it's it's been widely accepted, which is a fantastic result. You know, a lot of people love the game and they play it. Um, quite well. And they, and they tell me it's challenging, which is a good thing. And I think that's one of the main elements that I wanted to bring into samurai training, the challenge aspect of it, where people would think that it's an easy sort of gameplay, but it's it's really not. It's quite challenging and you really have to focus on, on creating creating combinations and really thinking about how to do things. So that's the one kind of main lesson that um, I got from creating memory loss mm-hmm. and passing it over to yep. samurai training.
1: So, how did you come up with the idea for the samurai training game?
3: So, well, to be honest, I've got a I've got a list of games that um, I've got ideas for, and so. When we finished Memory Loss, I, I had a look at my list and I said to myself, what what would be the next game I would create? Which game would I play? Was the was the main question that I asked myself. Which one out of these would I play next? Yeah. And it, it came to Samurai Training only because it's one of those games that I really love where you, you can play and play and play it over and over again. It will either bother you or it it will make you be more you know aggressive and kind of play it more and more to Mm -hmm. get that high score if that makes sense yeah
1: Mm -hmm. and with putting that together i mean you you say yeah you've got you had the list yeah with the the games on the list have you already put a lot of thought into the um into the end product and know pretty much what you want it to to eventually look like
3: Uh, With my list, what I've done is I've written a proposed title and a proposed gameplay idea of of what it is. And so when I look at it again, in my head, I I kind of think, okay, so how will this work? What will I really heighten in this game? In Samurai Training, I really wanted to heighten um, the master character and, and and the music that was... Those were the two main things I really wanted people to kind of be immersed in. And so with all the games that I've got written down, um, with all the you know ideas of the games I've got written down, um, there is some sort of kind of visual in my head as to how it's going to look and how it's going to play. So I do know what I want from from it all. And when I do go to my developers and my graphic artists and things like that, I do have a clear vision and, and they understand that, that quite well, which yeah. is good.
1: Yeah, that is good. Yeah. And I guess being able to portray that to them and have them understand that is uh, is a major part of the development process.
3: Oh, definitely. And this is why you need a team um, who you can communicate well with,
1: mm-hmm.
3: um, I think, and also a team that you need to have a really good kind of solid vision as to where you want to, where you want the game to go, or where the yeah. company to go, and I'm—I've been very lucky to have such a solid, solid team um, behind me, who are were, who were just willing to, you know, jump up as well and say, "Hey, hey, Eileen, I've got this great idea," which is good. You know, they pitch me ideas as well, which is excellent.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, that definitely would help. I guess it—it uh, it kind of proves that there is an Eileen in team. Hey. <laughs> How good was that?
3: Oh man, I was waiting for something like that.
1: <laughs> so that's obviously not the first time you've heard that. that bit. No. no that, that makes me feel a little bit normal then. Good. At least I'm not the only dickhead that thinks like this. Good.
3: Oh, <laughs> uh, you're not. You're not.
1: With the game being out for a little while now, uh, it's only been a couple of weeks or just over a week, really. How has it been received so far?
3: Uh, Pretty well, actually. A lot of interest um, from the US market and Australia Mm -hmm. um, as well really picked up on it quite a lot. And then, you know, following that would be UK and uh, Italy and things like that. So there's interest there, definitely. Um, with the game. I think people are really hesitant when it comes to indie developers, especially if it's new indie developers. They they don't kind of want to consider it yet mm-hmm. until there's there's a solid following. Yeah. But, I mean, I don't mind that. That doesn't bother me at all. We have to start somewhere. Of course. And, mm. you know, whatever kind of support we get is always good support in my eyes.
1: Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Well, it's kind of a um a catch twenty two, really. I mean, you you oh, like you said, you've got to start somewhere. And if you were lucky enough to to hit pay dirt and come out with something like, you know, say for instance, Tiny Wings is your first game and it sells mm-hmm. an absolute bajillion and everyone picks it up and you know it's only worth a dollar, but you know you, you've absolutely made it.
3: Yeah, that's right. What do
1: you do from there? Yeah, what do you, what do you learn from that? What what can you develop after that that's actually gonna you know, recreate that and, and things so I guess that's always gotta be something that you've gotta consider as well. Yeah, although it would be great to just hit hit pay dirt first go and then go, you know, waltzing off into the sunset with bags of money. Yeah. Well
3: <laughs> I think that's um I think with every new indie developer that comes into the industry, I think that's what they assume will happen. So I've kind of approached it in a more a business kind of focus mm-hmm. where I know what my plan is. I understand that this, like, these are things that I need to do. And, I, you know, I know that I've got to organize myself first and create a solid base before I start hitting, quote, the big time or whatever yeah, it is, of
0: course. you know. Mm-hmm.
3: But, yeah, definitely a lot of people along the path that I've talked to have have, have said to me, You just need that one game. Of course. That one game that will get you guys going. So Mm -hmm. I have high hopes for Diner You know, there's really good energy um, with with it. So I'm really grateful for people that are following um, the company and the games that we're creating so far.
1: Yeah. Fantastic. So... With the game being out now, I guess uh, people are already starting to pick it up for the future, what kinds of things are you looking to uh, you know release to continue you know the the you know, momentum that you've you've got now with the game being out?
3: We're considering a lot of action based games and um, role playing games, but I think our main focus will be expanding on different platforms so we're wanting to expand on a lot more. Mobile-based platforms and considering tinkering with the idea of you know Xbox 360 at the moment.
1: So yeah.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: Well, wow. sounds very interesting. Like we have to watch this space quite closely. I think. Yes. Definitely. So the the game's currently been released on the Apple iStore. Um, yes. And you've got plans to get it out to. You know, the other mobile devices, the the Androids and whatnots as well. Yeah. Any any idea of when we're looking for those?
3: Um, Samurai training will be on Android. Hopefully, what are we in May? Um, end of June, mm-hmm. early July. So that's the plan. Mm-hmm. But you know, I we're hoping to crack the um the Symbian market because that's the main one that we mm-hmm. want want to get into. Yeah. So that's the Nokias and things like that.
1: Yeah, of course. Yeah. They're pretty big. Alright, well I guess that, that pretty much wraps up the, the, the interview. So what I'd like just one last question I guess is, you know, because as you said, it's only been, you know, nearly twelve months that you've uh, you know or a bit over twelve months now I suppose since Dino Raw really you know got up and running. What what could you give as any uh, words of, of wisdom to anybody who's looking to start their own company?
3: What I would say is don't be afraid to start it even if you don't have the support that you're wanting to have at the moment. When you start something that you believe in, the people that you need in your life will come your way and the people that will be there to help you will stay to help so you'll realize who mm-hmm. who will become a really good asset to you and who's just there for for the fun of it you know um i think it's just the belief that you need to to have within yourself to to get to get it up and running that that's the main thing that i would tell people
1: that's fantastic very good advice i think like I said, that that pretty much wraps it up. So, you know, thank you very much for coming on. We do really appreciate it. Uh, is there any um, any you know, shout outs or any g'days that you wanna you wanna send out?
3: Just thanks to everyone that's downloaded the game so far and have been following us on Twitter and on Facebook, which is always good, and also our website. And thanks to you guys because you guys have been great focusing on the Australian games industry.
1: Thanks again. If if you haven't um, already had a look at the game, go on to the uh, to the iOS stores, have a bit of a look. Jump on the website, uh, the DinoRaw.com website because it is you know it's fun and fantastic. There's always competitions and things going on there, uh, and you can even if you if you are willing to, you can even pitch an idea and Eileen will have a look at it and see if that could even possibly get some legs and be something that you could participate in later on and play so get over there and have a bit of a look anyway lovely to have a chat with you it's been fantastic and you know best of luck with, uh, with Samurai training in the future
3: thank you very much for having me
1: no problem at all alrighty welcome back I hope you enjoyed that interview. It was a, a really good chat. I, I had fun talking to Eileen and I think uh the information that she gave was uh a bit of insight into developing games and a little bit of a hint there for people who were uh looking to possibly start up their own company. So yeah, it was good and I hope you enjoyed it. So anyway, we are gonna kick on with the show. We've got the Alain Noir discussion and we've also got the talk about the um the Lego game. So let's kick off with Alain Noir. It has been the biggest game to come out in this you know, this month at least. So I've had a good chance to play it. I've done a lot of uh, the initial stages, I suppose. I'm playing it on the Xbox, and I haven't got up to the second disc yet, and I've already put in probably the majority of maybe five, six hours, possibly a little bit more, and I am enjoying it. It is a good game. Mm-hmm. My initial... Thoughts before it came out, I was a little bit dubious about it because I thought of it as you know a, a cross between you know the old CSI games, which were crap. Uh, the crime scene analysis in those was very linear and it had a lot of issues. But I think the Team Bondi guys have done a great job in keeping this mm-hmm. very story-based and you know really really exciting to play. There's a lot of twists and turns and things like that. Mm-hmm. Matt's actually finished the game. So he's got a lot to say about it. Yep. And uh, yeah, Susie's probably sitting there thinking to herself, I want to know more about this one. (laughs) Well, my Xbox
2: copy's in Brisbane and I've got a PS3 copy somewhere in my suitcase.
0: (laughs) Just to look at when you get lonely. That's right. That's
1: it. There's no lonely. (laughs)
0: Okay, L.A. Noir is the latest sandbox game published by Rockstar, but this one has been developed by local Aussie developer, Team Bondi, rather than one of Rockstar's in-house development companies. You play as Cole Phelps, a war veteran back from World War II, and you're looking to make a name for yourself as a detective in the LAPD. The first thing that hit me when I started playing L.A. Noir was the level of detail in the graphics. There was a lot of hype leading up to the game about how good the graphics were going to be. And, you know, I'm a bit of a cynic, so I was kind of like, whatever, you know, it's going to be great, whatever. And then uh, within about five minutes of playing it, my cynical side kind of shut the fuck up (laughs) (laughs) because it's fantastic. To start with, the city itself is based on 1940s LA. And according to Rockstar, it's like 90% accurate to how... LA really was
1: back then and it's beautiful it is absolutely beautiful
0: yeah definitely so basically it's um, it's split into three districts Central, Wiltshire and Hollywood and each of them have you know defining landmarks that are in LA like you've got the Tar Pits the Max Factor building uh, Union Station things like that as well as different characteristics to each of the districts which kind of make them all look different to how the others do for example central district is you know in the city you've got a lot of shop fronts uh there's a lot more alleyways and things like that and it's busier and all that kind of thing whereas the wheelchair district is more suburban and a little bit quieter more housing and that kind of stuff and then obviously hollywood is hollywood you know hollywood is what it is the three different districts with their defining styles make it a lot easier to be able to find your way around the town when you're driving around, which is really, really handy because it sucks in open-world games when everything blends together. I think we can all agree. Now, although LA Noire runs on the same engine that GTA 4 used, which is the Rage engine, it plays completely differently. For example, although you can run over pedestrians if you want... (laughs)
1: Because who doesn't want to?
0: It can be fun, but that's not the idea of the game, so you aren't really rewarded for it, whereas in GTA, you know, you get money and stuff like that. You can commandeer cars in this, though, which you do get awarded for, because there is 95 different cars from the 40s era, and you get trophies for uh, for driving them all, which is a nice little addition for all the completionists out there. There is a few other things to collect up, but I'll discuss that a bit later. The most impressive thing about the graphics, though, is not the city, even though the city is pretty fantastic. It's Team Bondi's motion scan technology, which is a system of facial recognition, which basically lets them record actors reading the lines of dialogue, and, like, picks up all their facial movements, like eyes darting around, and, you know, frowns, and eyebrows, and their mouth moving and the way, you know, just different body language kind of things in their face, which basically make every part of the game look like you're playing a cinematic that's how good the graphics are it's really, really impressive visually anyway, enough about the graphics um, how about I talk about how a game actually plays as I said before, you're Cole Phelps and you're rising through the ranks of the LAPD through the different divisions You know, so you start out as a patrolman then you get promoted to a detective on the traffic desk then homicide and vice and so on each case starts as a briefing at the station. So you're sitting at the station, you know, at a desk, it's a cutscene. There is a lot of cutscenes, but, you know, that's the type of game it is. It's very story-based. Anyway, so you're sitting at the station, and you're at a little table, you know, the, the captain or whatever standing up front talking to you and the other detectives in the room, explaining that, you know, blah, 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 body has been found, or there's been this accident, you know, whatever, robbery, things like that. The captain will say, you know, Phelps, you and whoever are partnered up, go here, solve this fucking case. So off you go. You get in the car and you drive to the scene of the crime. When you get there, first thing you do, at basically in every case, you will start searching for clues. And there's a couple of features in the game that help you find the clues and you can turn them off if you know it makes it too easy for you one of them is background music while you're searching for clues which will continue to play until you found all the clues so that way you know you pick up a clue and the music stops you know that you have found all the clues in that area another handy one which I personally turned off because I thought it was too easy is that while you're walking around when you come up to a clue a chime will play and your controller will vibrate so you know you're walking around the crime scene boom your controller vibrates you know you're standing next to a clue which i think makes it a little bit too easy but you know whatever so you do have the option to turn off the music or the vibration and chime notifications so you know whatever suits the way you want to play as you find the clues your character will write them down in his little notebook he's got a little black notebook that he writes everything in And in that book, you've got people of interest, locations of interest, and then evidence, which is the clues, right? As you pick up the clues, Cole will write down what he's found, and it might be something that's evidence for later, like a a bloody pipe or driver's license and things like that. A matchbook from a bar that says, oh, you know, you should probably go to this bar. So then it'll either provide you with evidence for later or you know lead you to another person of interest or place of interest where you might find more clues or suspects or whatever. Once you've found all the clues usually you're gonna have a witness to interview and the interview process is where the game really comes into its own because it uses it puts the motion scan technology to full use. So you walk over to the witness or suspect and your character will open his little notebook to a page with a list of questions for that person of interest. There might be one, there might be five, whatever. Then you ask each question one by one and the person will give you their answer. Then you get three choices, truth, doubt, or lie. When the person answers, you have to watch their body language to see if they're telling the truth or lying. There's a few things that are you know, classic body language giveaways for lying such as like shifty eyes, Closed palms of their hands or like hiding their palms, things like that, that you pay t- got to pay attention to, right? So then they tell you their answer and you say, you know, were you here this at this time last night? And they're like dodging their eyes around fucking crazy. Then you can probably guess that they're lying. So you're going to either pick doubt or lying. The difference between doubt or lying is that when you click lie, they're going to demand proof. They're going to say, I'm not frigging lying, prove it. So then Cole will open up his little book to the page of evidence, and you'll have to pick a piece of evidence that will catch them out on the lie. If you don't have the piece of evidence to prove that they're lying, then you click doubt, right? If you choose correctly, truth, doubt, or lie, then it can lead to things like even a confession, or tell you about someone else who's a person of interest, or lead you to another place of interest, or give you just a clue about something like that, like someone might be hiding the fact that they're having an affair and you say you're lying and then they'll admit that they're having an affair which provides motive or things like that for the case chances are if it's the first person you've interviewed they're not going to be the one that you arrest so they're going to send you on your way to to the next place and you'll probably go to another place of interest like a bar or a house or something and search for clues again and interview someone else and maybe there might be a person there who's a suspect and when you rock up and you say hey your assess- no i need to talk to you they might do a runner and then you have to chase them down and all that kind of stuff every case is pretty much the same in that sense it sounds a little bit repetitive but the writing in the game is strong enough to carry you through and it kind of is standard police procedure anyway so you know what did you expect you didn't expect to be going to scenes for crimes and looking for clues and interviewing people Anyway, there are side missions to break up the cases. There's 40 different street crimes for you to go to throughout the game. You'll be driving along during missions, and you'll hear over the police dispatch that there's a whatever crime in progress at this location. So there could be things from a bank robbery to a gunman on a roof shooting people, or even a pervert taking pictures of up ladies' skirts, you know. Anyway, so you'll rock up, You'll go for a drive to where that you want to be and then do whatever you need to do. Solve the crime and you'll get a... And you'll get... And you'll, you know, stop the crime or whatever. There is these things to break it up and, you know, stop the kind of repetitiveness of it. And they are a bit mixed up. They're not all the same, you know. They're not all a bank robbery, so it is cool. The overarching story of the game covers all kinds of things from corruption and violence to, like the psychological state of soldiers coming back from the war and all kinds of stuff like that so it is a really cool story it's a little bit slow to start but by the time you reach the end you'll be pretty stoked well I was pretty happy with it I thought it was a great ending the important thing to remember about this game is that it's not GTA okay you're not a bad guy you not you know you're a good guy you're doing good things you've got to stop the criminals and not be a criminal and your goal is to get the right guy arrested and solve the crime. The game, in fact, doesn't even let you pull your gun out unless the situation requires it. Personally, for me, it took about two or three hours for the game to grab me, but then I was pretty hooked. I didn't put it down for quite a while. Actually, it was getting pretty pissed off at me. I would definitely recommend buying this game because the story itself took me about 20 to 25 hours to complete, and then you've got... You can redo the uh, story missions to get five stars because you get a star rating at the end of them and then you can like do all the street crimes that you missed pick up the cars that you haven't driven in and then there's things like film reels that are like just they're kind of like the pigeons in GTA just random things or flags in Assassin's Creed just random things that you got to pick up here and there and things like that you know for trophies and achievements which is cool adds to the uh things to do, so you probably get at least 30 hours out of this game if you were to, you know, try to 100% complete it. There's also going to be a bunch of DLC packs coming out so that will include new cases to do, so it's definitely worth picking up. Plus, it's an Aussie-made game, so support Aussie devs, mate. You've got to help those Aussie developers, because you know, we're Aussies and we kick ass. Uh, I personally played it on the PS3, Lucas played it on the Xbox, which is on three discs, and based on, like, comparison graphic shots, you know, screenshots that I've seen, I would probably pick the PS3 based on that, and then, of course, there's loading times, which, you know, in my PS... playing on the PS3, I had hardly any loading times. Yeah, so I would definitely suggest the PS3 version, and overall, I'd give this easy 9 out of 10. It's fucking fantastic. Definitely go out and give it a crack, and... Play it for what it is, and, you know, it's just a great game, at least given a chance. Uh, I'd also like to thank Rockstar for providing us with a review copy for the PS3. That's what I've got. Lucas obviously bought the 360 version. So, uh, thank you Rockstar for that. Appreciate it. And look out for my review on the site. It'll probably be much the same as what I've said here, but, yeah. Anyway,
1: that's LA Noire. So anyway, Susie's been very quiet as she sat there and listened to us dribble on about uh about LA Noir. So <laughs> <laughs> it's only fair now that we give Susie a a good chance to go through the the new Lego yes. release.
2: Um so, yeah, I have been playing the new Lego Pirates of the Caribbean while everyone's been playing L.A. Noir. So, surprise, surprise, there was another game that came out last week. <laughs> um, basically, um, look, for your stock standard Lego game, it's pretty good. It's pretty good. And I enjoyed the other Lego titles like Batman, Star Wars, Indiana Jones. So, this was definitely one to pick up. In short, it is basically films one to four done Lego style. So if you're familiar with, say, Star Wars, it's basically the entire film's just done in like the Lego short movies and then you play those levels. So it's pretty cool. Uh, look, the visuals have really stepped up. They're much cleaner, crisper graphics than what we've seen in previous titles. There's certainly a lot more puzzles to do and I found there's actually less building um it's probably the least amount of of building I've seen in a Lego game which was a bit strange but it took me a little while to realize that.
1: Well I guess some of the other ones you know the the way they've been put together is that you know they they loosely kind of you know, reflect the the actual movies and you play through a couple of scenes and things like that but mm. having all of the four movies in one does it stick to the the exact just scenes and storylines of the movies, and and just piece together the the entire yeah. collection, I suppose.
2: Yeah, I th- I think it, it actually uh, covers it quite nicely, and you know the the people that put it together certainly have a sense of humour when it comes to making these games.
0: You have to have a sense of humour for Pirates of the Caribbean, eh? Yeah. yeah,
2: yeah. But I mean, even one of the scenes, I think it was in film two that I was playing at the start. They had them all lined up in, in the guillotines to have fruit thrown at them. <laughs> it's just just cute little things like that that <laughs> they, they do. And, it, and it's cute. The, the, if there's one word I can describe the Lego games, they're so adorable. And look, musically, it's fantastic. The music soundtrack for this is just phenomenal. And it's probably one of the better soundtracks I've heard in a game for a long time and they did a good job with Star Wars and and Batman and this is no different so but look I mean seeing a Lego Johnny Depp and I mean they are Lego characters but they do look like you know the proper actors of the film there so um look there were a couple of things though that I didn't actually like um the AI on it was a bit picky at times and you can find yourself getting stuck in between characters, they push you off off a ledge, you die, come back, they push you off again, you know, and that was a little bit frustrating. It, it was a little bit tedious. It, there was a lot of going back and forth in a lot of levels. So you'd go and build something, move the ledge around, then you'd have to go back to another room, pick up something from there, take it back and, and things like that. So I think for people who don't probably have a lot of patience with things, um they might struggle with it. Whereas older Lego games, you know, you just had your two characters that just ran up and down, built stuff, away you go. So it does get a little bit tedious, but it's it's still quite fun nonetheless. Particularly being in like looking at the detail of the pirate ships and I do actually have the um the pirate the actual Lego pirate ship for um I think it's Blackbeards for the new film. And, um, given that I had built it and I'm watching it in the game, it's just spot on It is exactly the same Lego pieces as what I constructed so that's pretty cool. It's very cool <laughs>
0: <laughs>
2: um there are a couple
1: of th- can I just ask can I just ask sorry to interrupt you there that you mentioned sound and things like that before the voices that they've used for mm-hmm. it does it fit the actual characters quite well because the yeah, yeah they've used a lot for of for lego areas. games
2: you know they're just the muffled sounds and laughter, and mm-hmm. um, it's it's pretty good. It's pretty accurate to what you'd expect. I mean, I'd, I'd love to hear Johnny Depp talk to me while I play a video game, but uh, <laughs> I'll just settle for a, a bit of a chuckle <laughs> here and there. So um, it's still very much a Lego title. They haven't gone too overboard in bringing something new. But as I was about to say, there were a couple of things I really did like. Character selection can actually occur in-game when you go to free play. So when you used to select your characters before, if you didn't like them, you actually can go into the character menu in the game and change them again. And I thought that was pretty cool.
1: Yeah, that is good. It's nice to be able to know that you can make changes throughout the game mm. that will affect it during yep, the game. Yeah.
2: Um, there's no gold, uh, red bricks uh, that you used to be able to collect... Um, if, when you play as um, Captain Jack Sparrow you use a compass and there's eight items to find on this compass um, so that's kind of replaced the red bricks um, and then when you use your gold bricks to get your extras and um, and all that you you look for red hats so they've made a couple of nice little changes there um, and mini kits are in as normal um, and it's quite cute they are ships in a bottle So, yeah. That's kind
1: of cool. It's good that they've made them both fit.
2: Yeah, so, look, the game's very appropriate for theme, for sound, and look, I've tried to cram as much playtime into it as one, so I can't remember which film it was from, but even at one scene, you're basically, you've got to climb up the mast of the ship, and it starts rocking side to side, and... I almost felt really dizzy playing it because it was just, you know, rocking back and forth. And I just thought, wow, this is pretty cool. Yeah, that is. So, look, it's, it is really good. As far as I'm concerned, yes, it's absolutely worth the money. Uh, I think I picked up the copy from JB for about 79 So, certainly get a price match on that wherever you go. If your patience is tested with a few things, you know, it might not be suitable because you certainly have to think a bit more about what you're doing. can have up to eight people or eight characters playing in one game so it's not like other legos where it was just one or two players there's eight in some levels and i've just i've nearly finished story mode and i've got 50 percent game completion wow so i still have an awful lot of things to do yeah so um but as far as giving it an overall score, I'm going to give it an 8 out of 10.
1: Well, it sounds actually really consistent with a lot of the Lego games because they are fun. Just Mm. from my point of view, I mean, my six-year-old loves playing the Lego games. He's he's a big Star Wars fan, so that kind of fits really well with the Star Wars games. Mm. And I've wanted my kids to grow up a little bit, I suppose, so that they can watch these movies, because I think they are fantastic adventure movies, Mm. for somebody with young kids, do you think that this is something that a kid could easily solve the puzzles, or do you think it's an an age-appropriate thing for someone a bit later on?
2: Um, I would say... It would depend. Like uh, One of the puzzles it gave was... You know one of those maze puzzles where you've got to tilt and the ball goes through the maze and it's got to come out the other side and you've got to turn it? There's a maze like that, which took a a couple of goes to get through. But you go to one switch... You know, you turn the, the ship wheel and it changes the direction of it and then you've got to keep going back and forth to try and get this ball out of that maze. So that's probably the complexity of the mazes it gives you. It's it's those kinds of puzzles.
1: Oh, it sounds kind of good, though. Yeah. It sounds like people, you know, young kids may need a little bit of help, but uh, yeah, they'll be able to get through the majority of the story.
2: Yeah, and look, it's not it's not scary. Um because I think Lego seem to fluff up a lot of things to like yeah. particularly in star Wars <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> when, um, they sure did. yeah, yeah, so um it's it's still of that theme, and certainly with um because uh, I mean look, I'll be very honest, I really the only pirates film i I saw and really remember is the first one. I fell asleep watching the second one. <laughs> um and I kind of didn't really bother afterwards, but the stories of it, the way it looks, the way it sounds, like I you know, it, they're great. They're great fun, and I think people probably take them a little too seriously. But the shorts of the films are summed up very well in its own little Lego style, and um it it, it looks great. It looks really good.
1: Alright, so it sounds like it's definitely a buy, not just a rent.
2: Yeah, definitely.
1: Yeah, good. And how long do you think it is?
2: Well, (laughs) um, I would say each level could take up to half an hour to finish. Mm -hmm. And there's five or six per film. Okay, so, well, it's not too bad. Yeah.
1: So you get a, a good couple of hours out of it. Absolutely, and plus. that's just doing yeah.
2: story mode, and then, of course, you go go back and do your free play Yeah. Uh, to try and get all your mini kits and other other things like that. So Lovely. Yeah, achievement-wise, it's pretty easy as well. I don't think there's really any achievements on there that would be impossible. It would probably... The hardest one would probably be getting the 100% completion because yeah. that's probably where you're going to lose a lot of time
1: so completionists could struggle but everyone else should be fine yeah just a fun game absolutely lovely oh that sounds fantastic
2: Mm.
1: well thanks for that Susie that was a very comprehensive wrap up of that game so there's the two games that I guess we've probably spent the most amount of time on this week and uh, yeah, hope you enjoyed the discussion on both of those So it's been a couple of episodes now when we you know you listen to us talking every week and I thought it would be a good chance for you guys to ask us a question to get to know the hosts of the the Dropbear Gaming podcast. So this week I thought I'd pose my own question and ask the guys on the on the show what is the first game that you remember playing? You know, how old were you or what was the reason you got into that first game or or just basically, you know, what was the things that were the most impressive about the first game that you ever played? So for me it's a very very quick one. I was very young and my uh, mother bought us a uh, little handheld console that we played um, Galaga on. Which was almost like a, um, a clone of Space Invaders. And I remember playing through that game so many times as a little kid that it actually ended up being taken away from me because I just devoted so much time to it. And it was only because it was one of the only games around. It was definitely the only game in our house and I played the absolute crap out of it. And that's where I fell in love with playing computer games. It was an escape from everything else that I ever used to do. Sweet. So that's me. Yeah. What about yourself, Matt? What, what can you remember?
0: Um, it'd have to be Alex the Kid or Alex the Kid in Miracle World. It, was, uh, it came built in on our Sega Master System that we got. I can't remember how old I was. It was way back in the day. but uh, That was a great game oh, too. Oh, yeah, awesome man. game to
1: be built into a system. Oh, I
0: reckon. You know, you can go on YouTube and watch a video of someone completing that whole game in like fucking 20 minutes. Speedrun. <laughs> wow. I'm like, how the <laughs> fuck do you do that in 20 minutes? I remember spending so many friggin' hours going, playing through that game over and over and writing down... Maybe not in that game, but in games like uh, Lemmings and Bubble Bubble on the Sega Master System, writing down continue yeah. codes
1: <laughs>
0: so yep. you can come back because there was no saving back in the day. That's right. Anyway, so that was me. I don't know how old I was, but Alex Kidd Kid on uh, Sega Master
1: System. Nice. Susie?
2: Um, look, there were a number of games that I played uh, in the late 80s. That I probably wouldn't remember the the names of or anything. They were just DOS games. But I will say that the first game I actually finished from uh, I would have been five five or six was the original Duke Nukem. Wow!
1: What a way to start. Yeah. Nice.
2: So uh, that was when we had our old four eight six.
1: And the rest is history.
2: That's it. <laughs> <laughs>
1: And you've been waiting all this time for the next one.
2: I know, I know. And it's amazing because all these kids today are going to be going, yeah, look at this new Duke Nukem Forever. Yeah, it looks cool. Who is this guy?
0: (laughs) And then we will run... He said, bitch. And then out of nowhere, Susie will just run up and punch them in the face and say, you know why, you know why. That's my husband. So (laughs)
1: That's right. Don't fuck with Duke. So anyway, that... That's the first segment of getting to know us. Uh, we would encourage anybody to write us an email, drop us a comment, Yeah, chuck us an email at uh, podcast at com, and we would love to have some questions. Ask us some personal stuff. Ask us some absolute ridiculous stuff. Okay, so we've wrapped up the show basically. We're just going to do a little bit of the last housekeeping things here. Um, on the site, and thanks to our Tin Man Games friends, Um, We've done a a, a giveaway code for the Book 6, The uh, Wizard of Tanath Tor. So what I did was I put up a picture and I asked people to leave a bit of a comment on that. And I'd like to uh, give the code to Kevin Powell, who left a a bit of a witty uh, comment there. He said uh, the picture which was just basically a, a picture of some of the enemies that you face. Uh, he said the Black Eyed Peas were pretty excited about the release of their new single, Shark Hats for All. And uh, they were all about the pillage tour. What the fuck? So <laughs> have a bit of a look at the picture. It does make sense once you've checked that out. And uh, I thought that was a kind of a witty little answer there. So well done, Kevin. I'll try and get in contact with you. But if you hear this first, drop us an email and I'll get that out too.
0: We've also got a copy of AFL Live to give away for the tipping competition. The winner is Aron or Aron. Oh, I don't know what is. It. Yeah.
1: <laughs> 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 the winner is. Oh, I got no idea. Fuck
0: me. Okay. So the winner is Aron. Uh, he gets a copy of AFL Live for PS3 because that's what you get when you join our uh, tipping comp. You win shit.
1: Well done to him. So the phone number. Give us a ring send in your questions to it you know, whatever you want to do give us a shout out tell us that you're listening to us what we can improve, what we can't improve all those types of things as an incentive to do that I am uh, offering a copy of Rings of Magic for the PC which if you listened to the show a couple of episodes ago you would know that uh, it's basically an MMO and uh, it comes with um, $10 worth of um, exclusive items so jump in and have a look at that game, but uh, the phone number is 617 so leave us a message, leave us a question, whatever you want to do, and you give yourself a chance to win this PC game, and it is well worth having this game, so do that. Anyway, on to the shout-outs. Susie, you want to give us a couple of shout-outs?
2: I'm going to keep it really short and sweet, and I'm going to give a shout out to Yug from the Manabar. Boom! Because I caught up with him at Friday Indie Drinks a couple of weeks ago and uh, had a pretty good chat, and he's pretty cool. So, yeah.
1: nice, sweet. We should get Yug on the show. That'd be nice to get him on here and have a chat. Yep. Yeah. Matt,
0: um, I put out a tweet for people to uh, whatever you do, um, ask for a shout out. <laughs> <laughs> And the only person who got back is Dell673, the editor and kick-ass dude from Front Towards Gamer and the Community Voice podcast. Hell yeah. And also Hard Rocking Guy from the Trophy Whores. He loves it. Loves dropbear Gaming, mate. He
1: does. He does. Another hairy one that loves it from the Trophy Whores is uh, Tricky Mick. And uh, I'd like to give him a shout-out because he's a good guy. Uh, also, give a shout-out to Craig Peebles, who uh, decided to answer my question on Twitter today about whether I should let my kids watch Gremlins or not. Uh, and he said <laughs> no. I saw that <laughs> response. What did he say? He said he was a bit unsure because it did scare the shit out of him when he was a kid. So Just don't let them watch <laughs> it after yeah. midnight.
0: Or don't feed,
1: don't feed them <laughs> after midnight. No, without it. Yeah, don't feed them in him. the bar. Um, oh, and also, I'd like to give a shout out to uh, Podesta 1971, and uh, I believe Podesta's from Queensland and Brisbane as well. So, big shout yep. out to those guys. Anyway, that's a wrap. The show's done. Episode 15 is in the bag. So we hope you enjoyed the show. And this is me, Lucas BQ410, BQ410 on Twitter. Get involved. Love the Drop Bear Gaming.
0: I'm Azmuth1 on Twitter.
2: And yeah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, and I'm Susie Kate, but I'm going to change my name to Susie Hulk. So yeah,
1: done. Follow us. Follow us. So get, get involved. Anyway, hope you enjoyed the episode. Right. Good night from me. Good night.
0: Boom.